Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Rapid Fire Reviews. Today, I'll be breaking down Apple's latest event from earlier last week, sharing my thoughts with you on all the new announcements the tech giant unveiled. Now, quick disclaimer, this review may not be so rapid fire as such. Um, I've got lots of elements to cover, but I'm going to do my best to try and keep it relatively short and sweet. So without further ado, let's begin the review. So out of the gate then, we knew Apple was shifting away from their trademark hardware announcements this March. Soft launching a refresh of their iPads, AirPods and iMacs the week prior with simple press releases. And in honesty, to briefly cover those, they're little of interest. Apple's infamous wireless earphones got wireless charging support, the iPad mini was refreshed and the iMac received a performance boost. But none of these products received any kind of visual overhaul or innovation. In fact, there's no external advantages to upgrade to any of these new devices, which is seemingly lazy on Apple's part. You couldn't tell any difference between someone wearing the new 2019 AirPods from the original 2016 ones, and the other devices just have this same story. So March the 25th then, with hardware refreshes out the way, was all about services for Apple. Now, those being enhanced subscription-based versions of Apple TV, news, App Store Gaming at the forefront, as well as the next evolution of Apple Pay through a partnership with Goldman Sachs. So let's start with the media services. Now, quick disclaimer, you can click on any number of articles covering the conference, and most of them will give you all the info, but most likely from a US perspective. So here, in this podcast, I'm going to be talking through the announcement, but as a UK Apple user, which actually paints a very different story for these announcements. Anyway, as I was saying... So Apple Arcade is my first port of call. Now it's designed to offer mobile gamers access to a wide selection of exclusive titles. In fact, over 100 as quoted by Apple. Now with an emphasis on storytelling and artistic design, actually all the titles Apple showcased did look extremely promising, paired with the boast of no ads and no in-app purchases. However, bar the cross-play mechanic of, of gaming on your Apple TV and your Mac, this service is little tangible intrigue for me because I'm solemnly sworn to PlayStation. Unless Apple's exclusives are absolute masterpieces, I'd find very little reason to shift to mobile gaming when the PS4 is in such a fruitful period of quality. So Apple are yet to announce any pricing details for the service, but it's set to launch this autumn and that's also in the UK as well as the US. So as well as Apple Arcade, Apple News Plus is the next thing I want to talk about. So in 2018, Apple acquired digital magazine service Texture. Now ever since, Apple fans have been speculating about an expansion to the news service following this, and finally, they've got their answer. Apple News Plus. Featuring over 300 magazine titles, as well as access to premium content from the Wall Street Journal and Los Angeles Times. And that's all well and good. You Americans can get your hands on the service right now for about $10 a month. But what about the UK? As far as I'm aware, Apple didn't make any comments as to launching the service over here, bar the fact it'll, quote, be, a, be available later this year. It's vital, therefore, that the company are acquiring UK alternatives to the American publications. 
titles like Empire, Q, The Times, Independent, for example, and other British publications, that's going to substantiate the roster for us Brits and make the service a worthwhile digital subscription. But until these announcements are made, there's really little here for us UK fans as of yet. So next up then, I want to talk about Apple Card. Now, this is an expansion in the company's ongoing effort to move everyone onto contactless payments via their iPhone. Now, as a user of Apple Pay, often having forgot my wallet, um, I find the current service a useful and intuitive tool. Essentially, Apple are expanding this concept in partnership with MasterCard and Goldman Sachs to offer consumers an Apple-branded account and card. Benefits include a daily cashback reward on purchases made via Apple Pay, which is going to be 2% everywhere and 3% on Apple products and services, as well as statistics on the app to track your spending securely using on-device intelligence rather than sending all your purchase history over to Apple and Goldman Sachs. Now, ease of use and security are the main takeaways from this announcement, as users can sign up with just a few clicks through the wallet app, as I mentioned earlier, and all your card data stays with you alone. Now, Apple are also going to offer a physical titanium card as well, but using this offers lower cashback rewards, 1%, so it's really actually just a status symbol for those who want to flash their Apple card. Anyway, unfortunately, the whole package, titanium card included, looks as though it's a long way off a UK launch. Over here, we still don't even have access to Apple's Pay cash cards, which is a key part of the new system. So it's unlikely that we'll see Apple Card any time this year, other than perhaps late fall. For you Americans, it launches this summer. Now finally, Apple's main takeaway from this conference was TV+. A new video streaming subscription service the company invested over a billion dollars on in the past few years. With the minds of Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, M. Night Shyamalan, as well as the talent of Oprah Winfrey, Steve Carell and Weiss Witherspoon on board, Apple haven't shied away from A-list talent. Yet they didn't mention exactly how many exclusive uh, shows the service will launch with, they didn't outline support from any third parties, and more importantly, they made no comment on pricing. Sent to launch this autumn, I'm unsure as to whether Apple's own content will be enough to survive in such a saturated market against competitors like Netflix with huge libraries of both exclusive and original content. All the projects unveiled looked interesting, I'll give them that. But we won't really know if Apple have done enough to make this work until the service launches. Now this could be quite a niche service, even months after it launches, unless Apple really invest and support it with quality, kind of must-watch content, and enough of it. So on the whole, what did I think? Well, Apple have evidently veered toward expanding their services over hardware this year, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. All their expansions for TV, news, games, and Apple Pay on iOS are ambitious and sound relatively exciting. However, I think they needed to be more clear on exactly what each service will net customers what they'll be paying each month, and more importantly, offer a bundle with a host of services under one price point. Otherwise, with all this new content, you're going to have subscriptions coming out of your ears. And that's just Apple. They're not replacing your other subscriptions anytime soon, so it's all a bit too segregated. As well as that, for us in the UK, we're unlikely to be able to enjoy the main bulk of these announcements until later this year. Apple will start rolling out the services in May across the US, and they'll hopefully get to us later. 
Now maybe that's a good thing, the services are tried and tested before they cross the Atlantic and then can be tailored to British magazines and TV, but on the whole it's hard to get excited for things that are still quite a way off. So those are my thoughts on Apple's March conference. I've been your host, George Stephen. Thank you very much for joining me on this not-so-rapid-fire review. And don't forget, for all things Apple, subscribe to the podcast and follow me over on Twitter. I'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Cheers.